0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this very special edition of Market Shapers. I really don't think I even need to introduce my guest, but I will. It is the amazing Cindy O'Gorman. Cindy, thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so uh, we always like to start off with everyone's background a little bit about, you know, we all have these different paths into the crazy world of real estate. So kind of tell us uh, how you got into, into this business.
1: So I got into real estate I um, had moved around quite a bit with my family when I was young I always was the one to go on the house hunting trip mm. loved it kind of listened to everything thought I knew more than I did obviously but um, then when I got married and um, we moved to Rochester New York um, and I wanted a house and they said you have to go get a job I had just gotten out of college and was there for two weeks and so I um, got a job as a commercial real estate uh, accounts payable and receivable and worked for the wicked witch of the west who you couldn't talk to anybody in the office you had to eat lunch at your desk not look at it was just bizarre um, but learned a little bit about the commercial side and then um, got a job as a property um, manager for a government control department complex learned a lot of uh, confidence in kicking people out and. <laughs> You know, having to deal with a lot of different stressful situations, it was a lot of paperwork. Um, and so I always thought I'd go into residential. So when I had my kids and stayed home, I was um, economically forced to go get another job. At My kids were like probably four and two or five and three and decided to get my foot in the door so that when they went to school, I had a little bit of income built up or what was right. already had my foot in the door. So, and it just took off. I actually didn't expect, I was, considered myself part-time. I was working for a very small company. Um, and Are you still in New York at this time? No, or? no, no, I'm sorry. I, was, yeah. I moved to Dallas. Okay, Stacy you're Stacey, in Dallas. Right, okay, right, right. I had Stacey, okay. was eight months old, moved to Dallas. Uh, the first time the um, wind blew my baby in the buggy, and I was de-icing the car and trying to get the groceries in, get the baby from blowing away. I decided, Texas, I need to go home. Yeah. So, um, the... Just I was working for a very small company, didn't think, actually, that Ebby would even be interested because I always knew they were full-time, mm. you know, had a um, really, I, th- I thought, you know, I would be, like, one of the small potatoes when I went to interview in that office. I think I was doing $5 million a year, and they said, well, that would be the top producer in this office, and so I thought, well, that's easy, switch over then.
0: Which and, is kind of a neat, though, right, mm-hmm. because, like, you're just doing what you do, and you didn't have anyone to compare yourself. So you didn't even have any clue that $5 million at that point was like a well, top producer level. To me, it was part-time. Yeah. I
1: mean, it was part-time. And even when people would say, do you work? I'd go, well, I dabble in real estate. and It just didn't feel like a full-time job. Right. And um, so it did develop quickly for me. I was very blessed and had a lot of referrals, a lot of repeat customers. I think the first house I sold was 49000 So it shows you how things have changed. But... Um, So, um, yeah. So that's why you know I just income-wise, my family needed it, and um, I just felt like it was what I was supposed to do.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's neat though. I think sometimes people get trapped, especially Mm -hmm. maybe when they get started comparing themselves to other people's success. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting there is that when you didn't have that metric to compare yourself against, you know, five million to you felt like part time. Right. Whereas if you had been around some other producers, you may have felt like, oh, this. You might have capped yourself without even thinking that you could have done more than that, which is kind of neat. Hmm. Um, when, so one of the things I'm really fascinated to chat with you about is you were really a trailblazer when it comes to expanding beyond being an individual agent. And so I'm right. curious to when was it that it, you first had this idea of you know growing yeah. beyond yourself?
1: Well, it, you know it, it came by um, and I'll be honest, I was I, w- I had a little pushback from the company. For having an assistant in the office, because at that point every desk was, you know, an important yeah. desk, and <clears throat> I wanted my assistant. You know, I was still room mother for both kids, going on field trips, going to their games, um, trying to build a career, and the things that I didn't need to do. I, you know, I had originally started out putting the signs up, delivering the brochures. Mm-hmm. To, I started having somebody else help, and you know, answer the calls when I was gone. We didn't have all the technology we had. yeah. So, answer my phone at, in the office when I wasn't there, be able to um, send a seller's disclosure or do whatever. And um, so, I just started out little by little. You go put the sign out, deliver the brochures. And then, then I found out, you know, I was out showing all the time. When you have a reload buyer, you live with them for a week sometimes, mm-hmm. five days. And um, so there was nobody there to call and get feedback for my showings, and my sellers expected that from me. If we had a showing, I was always on top of it. I mean, they were right. going to get feedback right away. So um, just someone to fill in where it did not they didn't feel a, a gap in their service. Yeah. It, it was the same service I was giving them, but things that I didn't have to do. And so out of that, and then, and then I was showing all the time. I had so many buyers that um, I think I probably had two in-office assistants before Mm -hmm. I ever had a buyer's um, agent show and so then I had an agent that would show for me when I had to pick up my kids from school so if I was out showing someone they'd meet me and Mm -hmm. take over the last couple of showings um, and help me If I had two clients on the weekends you know I'd help have one of them show and so I kept adding just whatever that void was that I was used to personally doing that somebody else could do without affecting um, the service. To and, the client. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. And I think what's interesting there is I know now teams and groups are so prevalent, some people will actually say, well, I just want to be a team or group. And what I think was really important for people to hear from you was that it was need-based. Like right. you recognized activities that right. were better to be pushed to somebody else to handle, like putting a yard right. sign in, sending the sellers' disclosure so you could focus on those revenue-generating gener- activities. And then as that grew, then it became need-based, well, I've got so many clients to work with, I need someone to pass some folks off to. It wasn't just growth for the sake of growth, or it sounds better to say I'm a group as opposed to an individual agent. No,
1: absolutely not. And one of the things that I see happening is agents will combine together Mm -hmm. or add somebody really to increase their volume more than the need for it. Or they hire an assistant and they can't financially keep them for long. And so that person's out of a job too quickly, you know, and then they've also not progressed to where they wanted to be, wanted yeah. to get. But I think it's, it's when you're busy enough that you, you know, can you, can you give, you know, 20 hours away to an assistant? Can, and then can you give them 30 or 40? Right. But um, yeah, I think it's a need, a need growth rather than a combined just to have more volume.
0: Yeah, the ego kind mm-hmm. of reason for growing. And so as your team has grown over the years, I'm curious about, it's a big decision to add someone you know, to your group. Right. Um, and I do think some folks treat it really informally like, oh, it's because we call them teams or mm-hmm. we call them groups, and so it seems very informal, but you're really hiring someone to be part of your company right. that you've created. So what are some of the things that criteria that you've used over the years when you're looking to add... A a producing agent to your group, or someone who's new that will become that. Like, what what is the lens you're trying to look through for someone that you're identifying?
1: Well, the agents that work for me in on the office side, which Mm -hmm. work very very hard, and they know they represent me, um, and they the ones I try to hire the ones that would think like me, Mm -hmm. and the ones that know how my they you know I have a lot of them that have been with me for a long time, and they know how I'm going to think, how I'm going to respond, what I expect, and And they're, you know, sometimes you get agents that have been successful, but they just are tired of the rat race. They're tired of the nights and weekends. And so, um, you get the perfect balance because they're experienced um, and they are professional. Right. But, you know, they don't want to be out there selling. And so, I look for somebody that is happy with that. They, you know, They're not always going to be in the foreground. I mean, it's going to be my picture and mine, and and that sometimes some people can't or don't want to handle that. Mm -hmm. They want to be out there. Um, I think it's become, people are okay now with having a group, a successful group behind them rather than just their face out there. Um, And then the buyer's agents, you know, I have to have somebody willing to work tirelessly. (laughs) I mean, it's hard and, you know, they've got to be patient and, willing to go nights and weekends and go back over to the house five hundred times for that one client that can't make a decision. I and mean, you know, my girls work with me. Yes, so yeah. They were grew up locked in my car listening. Was to this all? So. You think
0: this was predestined, like they were always going to get into this business, or did they grow up saying we're never going to do that, and then they found themselves in real estate?
1: Grew up saying they'd never do that. Nice. Absolutely, yeah. never take abuse from people. Never yeah. work all night and day, <laughs> weekends, be yelled at yeah. for their house not showing. So, um, but they both. Did other jobs, not for long, right? But both of their jobs entailed weekends, nights, and um, you know they they weren't making that much money, so
0: yeah,
1: um, they both decided that was what they needed to do, yeah. And it was, you know, I, I like to tell the story that I worried about them for so long, you know, I was going to listen to everything they said and critique it and. Um, one day, I, w- I one of them was telling somebody, um, "Oh, I think if we knock down that wall and we get an engineer, of course, to look at that. But if you can open that up, I think you can, you know, make a big profit in a couple of years. And we need to do this." I'm like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm not monitoring yeah. them anymore. I'm they done. have learned by osmosis right. over the years right. of
0: being near you and stuff, which is amazing. But it is
1: very important to have people that you are happy and proud of representing you. Yeah, and because
0: it's an extension of you and your brand is. that you've created.
1: Right. And also sometimes. You know, if people think you're brushing them off, then they're they're already a, a little bit mm-hmm. upset. So, it has to be somebody that is over the top, professional, and hardworking for them to be okay and accept right. it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I'm curious. So, over the years, as as you have, have, have grown your business, um, you know, one of the things you're really well known for right now, obviously, is in within the luxury market. And I'm curious about. Uh, Was that a conscious decision to try to, you know, get into that market, grow an expertise in the luxury market, Um, Did it just happen over time? I'm just kind of curious the evolution of of that, you know, to where now you're just so well-known and so associated with that, even though I know you sell in all price points. Right,
1: right. Um, No, it was never intentional. Um, What that was, was a buildup of this client moving up and up and up, and and so honestly, and then I think that, I always wanted to do a little bit more marketing than average. You know, anybody can do an ad here or put a sign. To, but I always wanted to do more than the average person for exposure for the home. And so I think just the marketing and trying to have you know all the all the pieces that I do, I try to have them very professional. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's just been over um, referrals and repeat business that, that my clients have moved up in price and yeah. so it's allowed me to.
0: I think that's cool though because I think, I don't think other people think about that way sometimes. They think like you have to like somehow magically up your price point to get into lecturing and really what it is like just continue to be that lifelong right. you know professional advisor mm-hmm. for your clients because over time they move up as well and you get to ride that path with them. Right. Which is a really easy you know, way of thinking about it.
1: I think too that one of the things I didn't do was turn business down because of the price point. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was a lease, if it was a $100,000 house, and people would say all the time, why do you still do that? Well, it's not about what price point yeah. it is, and I truly feel that way. It's about making that client a client for life, and one of the biggest deals I ever had years ago was somebody that I had at least two homes to, and then their boss was going to move the company here, and the boss bought a home, and you know, if I hadn't leased her the two homes, that probably took just as much energy as selling a home, Right, Um, you know, wouldn't start that. So then they brought in a couple other partners, and I sold them large homes, and so one thing just kind of led to another. Yeah,
0: yeah, because that's the neat thing about our businesses, you never know that client or that property that connects the dots to other right. opportunities, yeah. for sure. Not
1: one client, look at each client as five clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I know that you've really prided yourself in is really running your company as a business. And sometimes uh, those of us in real estate treat it maybe a little bit more informally. So was that kind of a discipline you brought from the very beginning, or is that something over time that you've learned the, the importance of that if you're gonna have sustained, you know, excellence in this business?
1: I, right, I think it is something that you, you see too many people have a great year and go down. I think it's, it's got to be a um, constant level mm-hmm. of the same kind of professionalism and service, but the business part is like, again, you don't add until you're ready for that person and you don't hire somebody unless they're right. a great example of you. But also, there's a lot more to it. I do so much paperwork. And you know, I think people think, oh, well, you're on appointments here and there. I have great people behind the scenes, which is so important. But also I check all those I check the feedback all the time. I check the CMAs and make sure everybody's still priced right. Right. now I'm very involved in every aspect of it. Whereas I think people kinda just wash their hands, they go, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna list, I'm going but they don't stay involved in all the dynamics of the right. business.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and yeah, I'm I'm involved in all of you that. You
0: may not have to do the details, but you need right. to know the details. I need
1: to know the details. Yeah. Right, exactly. And and communication within you know everybody, my listing coordinator, my contract coordinators. If you don't constantly, you can't just turn it over and not know what's going on. Because I mean, my clients call me on myself all right. the time. You've got to be involved in it and know what's going on. So I think um, that. And then just budgeting. You know, you've got to when when the times get bad, you can't cut back your advertising. It's got to stay. And like in 2008 and 2009, when it got bad, I saw so many people just kind of disappear. Right. And I didn't change a thing I was doing, and it cost me a lot for a couple of years to stay there. But I think that's another thing that kept me, you know, in the forefront, and my name and knowing that, you know, when it's tough, you can't just put a sign in the yard. You've yeah. got to be aggressive with You the almost marketing. had to lean in even Exposure, more at that right. point. Mm-hmm.
0: Exposure, yeah. um, so- right. I think if we almost scoured any market across the country, it would be so rare to find someone who has been that number one agent within a city for the number of years that you have done it. Um, so I know running it like a business is you know, one of the reasons you've done it. What are some of the other things that you kind of attribute to this excellence that you've been able to sustain over the years?
1: Well, I think I'm good at problem solving. Mm-hmm. When when deals are ready to fall through, um, I, I think that that's really... Kind of where I shine, mm-hmm. and um, there's so many people ready to give up too easy on things. Um, and you know, I I I don't know the answer to that other than I think that my clients trust me, and I think I'm pretty honest with them. Right. It's what I say I'm going to do, I do, and um, and I just think it's just that level of confidence that you know I hope I give the clients and yeah. that they have in me.
0: Well, and, you know, and, and certainly by rising to the occasion when there are those challenges that come up, I think some of us fear confrontation, or we fear those difficult conversations, but those that just say, hey, that's part of the job, I've got to, I've got to do that. Right. Um, because the rarity is the transaction where everything went perfect and there was no right. problems at right. all. exactly.
1: That's the that's rarity. But I also think going back to your other question mm. about one of the things that probably keeps me going when the times get slow in one price point, because I do all price mm-hmm. points, you know, I've got every, I've got the, you know, under five, the five to a million, the over a million. And so it's not like you only have the sure. small properties. So if the rates go up, those aren't selling, or, you know, the upper end slows down because nobody's buying the bigger homes because they're afraid of stock more those are I'm still got these other price ranges. So
0: it's like diversifying mm-hmm. your business. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then also you're you're diversified in where you sell too. Right. Like you're not in some right. just hyper local exactly. pocket of of town right. either.
1: And that that comes from selling so many buyers that were moving here and working in so many cities and mm-hmm. then when they went to sell, you know, you're got the repeat listing but you're they're also in there telling people to call me. So I do, I probably do work a broader range than most people do, yeah. Yeah.
0: what are some of the tips or ideas you can share with others about, you know, as you have built this really massive client base over the years, um, how you kind of still stay relevant to them during these seven to nine year life cycles between them, you know, buying a house through you, selling a house through you as well. Like, you know, what are some of the things you and your group have done over the years to kind of remain that, you know, Real estate agent for life for them,
1: right? You know, honestly, I, I don't know that I'm probably as good about sending emails and you know things. I send Thanksgiving cards Mm -hmm. Um, every year. I feel like the Thanksgiving cards are more important. They stand out a little bit more than the Christmas cards, right? And it's thanking them for their relationship with me and the referrals. Um, But I think um, a lot of it is just that relationship, that one on one relationship that you build. So I mean, I still, every year I've got clients from 1984, 85, 86 contact me and say, you probably don't remember me. Hmm. And the funny thing is I remember the address and I get a name, sometimes a voice, I'll know exactly who they are. Um, And I think it's just that relationship that you build that they'll say, you know, they don't think about calling anybody else. It's just, you're my agent you know yeah. and
0: cuz if you've delivered such an amazing experience right, right when they have worked right. with you that's something they remember for years and years and years exactly. how that how that right. worked out you touched on it a little bit but i'm curious about you know when you are working with a client and maybe it's a listing that needs to come down in price or you know whatever the differences might be there tell me kind of your philosophy on having those challenging conversations with with clients
1: you know and i i think that it is one of the struggles we all go through is we, we allow someone to overprice their home. And you know I'll say, if you choose to do that, I'm just telling you up front, so you remember I didn't suggest this, so right. don't be upset with me when you're not getting enough showings or you're not getting offers. And ultimately, we have those clients that will still come back and say, I know, but you didn't get an offer, you didn't sell it, and so we're going to try something different. And it just crushes you because you're mm-hmm. like, that is not what I told you to price it right. So I think that that's the hardest part about the whole job. Or the next agent comes in, they lowered a hundred thousand cells in 30 days, and you're, you know, you're just so upset that why didn't they give you that chance? Yes. But I think um, sitting down and I'll send them pictures sometimes of their competition. Um, just go- sitting and going over the statistics again. You know, yes, when you started, the comps were here, but now you've had a couple of bad sales that have brought your comp down. Or this home came on the market and it's totally updated and you're not, and so you can't be the same price. Right. Um, I think the feedback we're really good about trying to get detailed feedback, and being able to say, here's your feedback. It's consistent. You know, it's not something we're not doing. Hmm. And I do get a lot of people that will call in and say, okay, I know it's you're doing everything you can. What do I need to do? Yeah. And those are the ones you love because they see that you're trying, but you know it. It's clearly. Um, Something about their floor plan, their price, their condition, but I think that a lot of sellers it takes it so personal that it it could never be their house. It can't be their house. It's got to be something you're not doing. And for all agents, that's the hardest thing because um, it does. You spend our wheels. They just they forget that we don't make any money. Right. Much less it's costing us time and money <clears throat> until we sell it. And. Um, so I think we all have to do a better job of not taking the listings overpriced, but it's a hard thing not to do.
0: Yeah. How much of that is like uh, a conversation you're having on the front end going into the listing? You know, sometimes you may not be able to get them there on the front end, but you're right. laying the groundwork for later. I'm just kind of right. curious how much of that is front end loaded or once you're in the process?
1: No, I tried front end loaded. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it <clears throat> it's makes the whole, um, the whole transaction smoother because A lot of people feel like people will go in, get the listing, and then try to get it reduced. And I don't do that unless we've had the conversation up front that this is at the high end of the comps. So if we do that, I'm going to call you in three months or 60 days and we're going to go over that. And some of them will commit. I don't ever make, I know agents that make people sign in 60 days, here's your price reduction. I don't do that because I don't think you know that until you Mm -hmm. get the feedback and get to see how much activity and are we getting repeat clients? Are we not getting repeat clients? Are they all saying, you know, the same thing or just the house isn't working? Um, so I, I front end load expectations, but I also like to regroup once I've seen yeah. the feedback. Yeah. And
0: it helps. I mean sometimes it is a multi-step process right. to get the seller on board with yeah. that and understand it. Um, we were at an awards breakfast together, I'm <clears throat> sitting next to each other just, just this past week. And it was really neat because there were some, these different agents were getting awards, and you'd kind of lean over and say, "She started with me," and you know, she was with me. And you, what an incredible opportunity for anyone to be a, mentored by you. So I'm curious, when you are bringing new agents into the business, right. you know, whether they're on your team or just someone that you know, you know, what are, what is some of the advice that you give new people that are starting off?
1: I I do believe, or things
0: to avoid too, right? right. It can be both ways, yeah.
1: Right, I do believe <laughs> that um, the open houses. That is how I started. Um, I didn't have the money to market myself, then didn't market myself for a long time. Um, but it's meeting people one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so I tell people to get out there and, you know, when people come in an open house, that's your best opportunity because you're right there in front of them to set an appointment for the following weekend, to build that rapport with them. And um, you know, then immediately follow back up and say, we're confirmed for this and here's some other homes. What do you want to see? But I think open houses because the one-on-one. I think I really think joining a group just to learn and um, being able to feedback off of the successful agent because it is hard to go out there and it costs a lot to market yourself and you spend you know the first year or two you're not making probably as much as you're marketing. Right. So when you do like you know I I pay for all the marketing I do all of the marketing for my group. So uh, you know if we have a listing and one of my agents brings in a listing, it doesn't cost them anything. So I think that um, all those things are things that a new agent can't afford to do. So how can they go up against a top agent that's going to do a lot for the client? So you know, just start out that way and, um, and, and ask, and if it's not a group, even go to one of the other agents that's busy and say, if you get property calls you can't take, I'll give you a referral fee, or a higher referral sure. fee than normal, to for you to send me the calls that you can't handle. Yeah, um, things like that, just to not go out there and be just your agent sitting, yeah. twiddling your thumbs, going, "What am I going to do? I can't afford to spend a hundred thousand marketing, and I don't have any buyers." So right.
0: Yeah, and that is that idle time. I think that sometimes causes the, mm-hmm. the dropout rate to be right. so high in real estate. Right. Is this I don't know what I should be doing, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm you know eventually I just peter out because I got to get a paycheck at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the folks that work with you, um, I'm curious about the um, you might not call it accountability, but just like you know, what is that cadence within your group for the agents that are part part of it um, on the expectations they have you know from you as far as. You know, it might be lead sourcing, prospecting, or taking open houses, you know, how is it that you're holding your folks accountable to make sure that they are really kind of succeeding in achieving what they want to get out of this as well?
1: Well, I I do expect them to go look at our listings as soon as they go on. Right. Um, I want them to go learn the inventory, so when they do get calls on it, when they are at open houses, they'll think about those homes first. Um, the, and I'd like them to hold our homes open, and lately I don't, the open houses have been tremendous, mm-hmm. they're great. Um, but I, I don't treat them, um, I feel like they're, and most of them, you know, people don't want to go to a team because sometimes they don't want somebody to control their schedule, sure. especially after they've been independent. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't, um, I don't micromanage them, mm-hmm. and I think that they all like that. But I do expect them to know our listings, know the inventory, get out there and do open houses, respond very quickly to calls. Um, and other than that, I think they're all adults and yeah. they're professional. And if you hired and, the right person. Then, right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that um, they they wouldn't be on the team if they weren't going to yeah. be aggressive.
0: Yeah. Um, so the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and it's only because I know there's going to be people watching this thinking, she must work 120 hours a week never take a vacation, never do anything fun for herself. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about how you bring balance into um, your, this you know amazing right. real estate career you've built, how you also bring a little bit of balance into it. Because I, I assume you probably view it as pretty important.
1: I absolutely do. And I I think that um, as a young mom when I was starting my career, it's the one thing I gave up was time for myself because I did do all the class things and all the sports and. Um, you know, I picked my kids up from school. They may have gone back to the office with me many right. times, and they did. They crawled under my desk and drew pictures for everybody. But, yeah, I gave up the personal time. And I had been, um, you know, I loved to do aerobics before I, I started working and mm-hmm. all that, quit doing all of that, which is not right. You got to keep that balance. But I had a great family life and work. And then now, you know, I think it's, Actually, you do so much more, but it's easier to balance because um, I'm with my kids and my grandkids all the time, mm-hmm. and go to their sporting events. I might be returning emails, talking in the back, you know, on the phone, negotiating a contract. But um, I think you've got to have balance or you'll burn out. Yeah. And you got to go on vacation, getting away. I go on vacation. I'm still working. Yeah. But um, at least you're gone. Right. And you're away, and you feel like you're, yeah, you know, it's a break. But I think that you, if you don't do those things, you will burn out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, I just think it's always important for people to hear to see, hear from someone as successful as you is to, to say that is important, and you know, find build that in right. as part of your business. Is, right. is these times to escape for for a little bit? And yeah, you're never truly away where you're not going to have, have a phone call or an email. Right. Um, but if you're staring at the ocean or you're staring at the mountains, whatever it is that recharges your yep. soul, it's exactly. not that hard of a phone call. <laughs> no,
1: exactly, exactly. So. That's a vacation to me. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I have a view. Yeah. <laughs> And I can, um, yeah.
0: yeah. Awesome. Well, you I've said this before, but we are so thankful to have you here. And you have just been kind of leading the charge over so many years. And it's always fun in the home office. Every time I walk out of my office, walk down the hall, there's your face up on the wall as, you know, the person leading is the number mm-hmm. of honor rolls that have made it in a consecutive order. And so just wanted to say thank you for being a huge part of our company and inspiring so many others um, to kind of follow your suit, you know, here at the Abbey Holiday Companies.
1: Well, thank you. You've been, um, such a great addition to Abby Holiday and honestly, um, made a huge difference in the company's future. And I, think
0: I appreciate it's that. Wonderful. Thank you. And it's yeah. been yeah, we've had an awesome time. We've had some dinners and lunches together, yep. which has always been great to get to know you. And uh, thank you for taking some time to sit down today. I know everyone is going to be thrilled at the chance to watch this and uh, learn a little bit from the great Cindy O'Gorman. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in this week. We appreciate it.